Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and SWE's blog all together at altogether.swe.org. Looking for more information and data on women in engineering? Head over to research.swe.org and review the groundbreaking research that SWE has been conducting. SWE's research efforts include reporting on women of color in engineering and how community colleges may play a role in getting more women to graduate with engineering degrees. You can also check out the annual SWE Literature Review in SWE Magazine's State of Women in Engineering issue. Hi, I'm Jenny Morikawa, advisor for the Asian Connections Affinity Group um, for the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to SWE's diverse podcast series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. I'm joined today by Angela Lowe and Somia Nagesh. Angela is a solution quality engineer at IBM in the greater Toronto area in Ontario, Canada. And Somia is a senior engineering technical lead at Caterpillar Inc. in Peoria, Illinois. Thanks so much for joining us today, Angela and Somia. Thanks for having Hi. us. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. So um, to get started, I wanted to have our listeners get more acquainted with us. So if you could please share a little bit more about yourself, that would be great. Angela, could you please start first? So uh, I am a second generation Chinese Canadian. I was born and raised in Toronto in Canada, and I have three young children, two daughters that are seven, almost seven, and five, and a son that's almost four years old. So it's a really busy household right now, especially uh, since everyone's at home. Uh, most of my family, we, we live close by, and um, as you know, I work at IBM as a solution quality engineer, and I work uh, a lot with the clients uh, integrating their tests into uh, our environments, as well as maintaining our QA cloud environments for testing. Uh, in my free time, I like to uh, volunteer with IBM with tree planting, food banks. I've also started my own YouTube channel uh, called Instant Pot Life because of all this cooking that I'm more involved in now that uh, you know I'm a working mom as well as busy, busy with the kids. Okay, great. Um, so Mia, could you share some information with us? So um, I, you can say, uh, as far as my family goes, I have a three-year-old son and an 18-month-old daughter. And uh, we are a, a dual working couple family. And um, I am a fresh off the boat immigrant, so to speak. So I got here stateside about 15 years back. I was brought up in a very conservative Indian family in ba Bangalore, India. Um, long story short, I had to uh, have a little bit of a rebellion at home to get married to him. And uh, we live in Peoria, Illinois uh, with our uh, kids and my mother-in-law who lives with us. Um, career, I work at uh, Caterpillar as a, a controls engineer. I design algorithms that go into uh, emissions controls on diesel engines. Um, I'm a tech lead there uh, as of uh, today so and uh <laughs> yeah and uh what do i do in my free time i'm uh, super active in SWE with the local um uh sections uh, outreach i uh, 
organize and um, uh, try to mentor as many students in uh, the K through 12 school system here. And uh, I'm also on the STEM advisory council of uh, the Girl Scouts of Central Illinois. I'm also, I also try to be active in uh, our uh, uh, women's initiative network ERG at Caterpillar. Um, so I'm a community school liaison uh, with the ERG. Uh, yeah, that's about uh, what I've been uh, doing since I moved to Peoria about 10 years back after my grad school. You certainly seem to be very busy, so I appreciate that. I'm sure everyone in the sweet community also appreciates all that work that you do on top of raising your kids. Um, so since I don't know both of you that well, I wanted to share a little bit more about myself just to get you a little more comfortable with me as well. And just like both of you, I am an engineering working mom. I'm a second generation Taiwanese American who married a Japanese American who came from Hawaii. So a lot of kind of Asian-S in there for me. Uh, we have two boys, um, 10 years old, just turned 10, and a three and a half year old with lots of energy. I have my parents who were the immigrants from Taiwan living with me most of the time. I am working at General Motors um, and in manufacturing engineering, so I'm very proud to be part of this team, especially during this time that we have here with the um, coronavirus. Um, in my job, I wear a lot of hats and I do a lot of different things as a business planner for my department. And it a lot of financial related things to just running the business day to day. Um, I've been in SWE for over 20 years now. I am part of the Detroit section, which is one of the oldest sections, and I am a life member of the society. I hold or I've held a lot of different leadership roles in SWE, um, from the Detroit section all the way to the society level with different society committees, and now this one with uh, being the advisor for the Asian Connections Affinity Group. That's just a little bit more about me, so hopefully that helps you as we talk about the challenges that um, come from being an engineering working mom and also being Asian. Um, so really the first question I think uh, that is on the mind for many next generation moms is the one that I'm about to ask both of you. So, you know, having kids, it can be a big decision in someone's life. And I'm sure some people don't even realize how many more decisions you have to make after this one. So for both of you, when you decided to have kids, what was your plan for yourself? What kind of things did you consider? Were there certain cultural things that you were thinking about incorporating in your plan, even from like birth time to how you think you want to raise? Um, I can give you an example, like in some Asian countries that I know, at least in Taiwan, um, for the first month, the mom and the baby stay inside for the most part, and they don't go outside because the baby's life that first month is considered to be very fragile. And so it's a tradition now, even though there's modern medicine, there's still tradition to keep the child and the mother together inside. So things like that. Um, Angela, do you want to start? Um, well, to that point, uh, culturally, it's similar 
um, for the first month the baby, you're not supposed to go out with the baby aside from, you know, your doctor appointments and such. Uh, but it's very difficult to do that. Um, as a mom, you're not supposed to carry heavy things either. You're supposed to rest. But because it was mostly just my husband and I and the, my three kids, uh, my I lived a little further from my immediate family, being about maybe half an hour to third, half an hour to forty-five minutes away from them. Uh, I didn't get to see them as often, and they couldn't come as often to help out. So it was a, a bit more difficult to follow those cultural guidelines. Uh, but with having kids, when we did decide, my plan was always to go back to work. Um, but I did. Uh, want to maximize the time that I did spend with the, my little one. So I did uh, like take the first year off and that's the, you know, the luxury of being in Canada, having a mat leave for, uh, back then was uh, for one year. I think it can be extended to a year and a half now if you wanted and like your job will be prote protected when you go back. Uh, it does help that um, after I had my third child that I did move closer to my sis one of my sisters. Uh, I grew up uh, with a mom that stayed at home and it was just my dad working. And, uh, but I always imagined, you know, I would be working, uh, my husband would be working. So it's completely different from how I was raised. But uh, like, I did try to like, keep to most of the traditions that I could. Or that I could see fit. Did it feel like you were like, yeah, I really stuck to those plans? Um, do you see the support system now, especially with moving closer? Has it been easier? It's been so much easier now that I'm closer to uh, my sister. My mom's actually closer. Uh, my brother's like 10 minutes away. Uh, it, and I guess because the kids are older, it helps. So now when they go to the elementary school, uh, their older cousins actually pick them up from the school. And uh, it's more it's more fun for them to be uh, closer to their, their cousins and their aunts and uncles. And I really enjoy that a lot. And it, I think it helps so much more. Okay. What about you, Samia? What were your plans? So... Um... When I got married to my husband, um, uh, I was in my early 30s. And uh, um, I mean, long story short, I'd been married before I lost my first husband. I got married to my second one. And he, uh, he um, was very supportive supportive of my decision being uh, Indian at that. I uh, wanted to have kids as early as possible, as, as soon as I could post-marriage. So, um, and that's what we ended up doing. And, uh, and uh, Perhaps he was not ready, but um, being uh, Indian, Asian, I was pretty pushy and uh, I wanted to get it out of the way. I, I When he signed on to uh, being in a relationship with me, that was one of the understandings uh, that he had to come to, that he would have to listen to me. So um, anyway, so that may not be the case in everybody's life, but um, I'm um, fortunate in a way that, um, uh, you know, I was able to, uh, go and uh, go about following a plan um, after our uh, marriage and uh, having two kids, and um, and I had I wanted to get back to work as soon as I was you know uh, I could, and uh, uh, unfortunately unlike Angela we have only three months uh, maternity leave, 
uh, in uh, um, uh, America, most most companies in America. Um, and uh, I was able to do only the three months, take the three months off to be with the kids. And uh, just like you, Jenny, um, I couldn't go venture outside uh, for a month after the baby was born. And uh, uh, my mom, especially, she uh, came, um, uh, she traveled from India to uh, Peoria to help us out. And uh, uh, in many, most, most instances, my husband thought, or he was under the impression that she was more of a hassle than help. That's uh-huh. I can't I can't let go of uh, you know the the. <laughs> it's, Don't know if it's, it's a mother-in-law it thing or. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was very helpful for me. I mean, she was amazing, and uh, um, and uh, but she also ended up um, you know, basically for the first month uh, I had to uh, be roomies with her. We had to have a room for ourselves, and she would not let me. Um, um, <laughs> you go and uh, share the room with my husband for the first month. So that was there. So it's a, it's a, a culturally a little different. Uh, he had to come to terms with it, but um, it was uh, something we were, we were able to follow through with both the kids. Uh, one thing that I've not been able to do is I always wanted to uh, travel to India uh, every year, but uh, now with both the kids. Uh, but of course, Westlake plans and all that have, uh, not been able to do that. Uh, I've been back to India um, once um, the past three years. Um, yeah, I uh, wish I could do more, but something that I, I still intend to do after uh, the Great Plague has passed us. Yeah, for sure. Like, I know for me, I um, kind of went through all the iterations. Do I go to work, back to work? Do I stay at home? Uh, what do I want to do? Because you know, sometimes work isn't always a good time, right? And so you're like, okay, maybe it's an out, maybe it's not. Um, and actually, when I had my first child, I didn't know all the traditions. And my parents didn't really tell me and they didn't really follow them themselves because they immigrated over and then had me. So they didn't have that support. And that they didn't use that restriction on themselves for that first month. So I was out with my son at a restaurant and um, he was two weeks old and they're like, what are you doing out? We went to an Asian restaurant, a Taiwanese restaurant, and they're like, what are you doing out? And they're like, huh? I don't know. I'm feeling okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But with my second one, I was like, oh, maybe I should try this. And um, I did stay in for a month and it was definitely very hard to stay in, even with my parents' help. And then, like, my husband was getting a little frustrated, too, being um, going out and everything. My sister-in-law had a baby six months, and she's from Indonesia. So she stayed in for a month, and her mom came and and took care of her and everything. So she um, gave me some of the things to help me with recovery. And I can tell you that um, the first time around, I didn't have a lot um, for nursing. And the second time around, I think because I had all these remedies and I stayed inside and I rested more because it was more the culture to recover, I felt like I got more um, milk and everything to be able to nurse my second son. So it's definitely uh, different pros and cons for all this. And um, I kind of had a little bit of a plan knowing that I probably was going to go back to work. Um, 
knew kind of during maternity leave that I couldn't be a stay-at-home mom <laughs> for for the long term. So I also didn't take, I took what was given in our uh, maternity leave, what was paid. And I took a little bit of time off with the FMLA, but not much. And I try to work with my vacation and everything to maximize it. And I was fortunate that I had a lot of holidays with both of them at the end of my maternity leave to ease back into work. So did you actually get the chance to travel with your little ones? So I didn't travel with the little ones until they were like five months old, not until a little bit later. Um, And we kind of planned out certain things and it was just domestically. And um, like, I didn't think my parents came and helped out, but I didn't think that they would be permanent, almost permanently living with me when I had this plan in the beginning. So it has been interesting. And I'll share some more about that a little bit later (laughs) with uh, some other questions. So um, my next set of questions has to deal with, um, you know, we we all have challenges. Um, I know SWE actually has a a couple of different avenues in which engineering working moms can kind of share their experiences with people. There's the panels at the different conferences. Some of the local sections host sessions. There's some articles in all together. Um, And I know a set of the engineering working moms from SWE created a Facebook group, um, a closed Facebook group, to, to try to help um, share those experiences. Um, and even there's a, like a subset for those who were going through or are going through infertility. So th- that's kind of been neat. So instead of focusing on kind of the general challenges that we may face as working moms, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit more about if there was any challenges that you may have experienced as a working mom because of your culture, your Asian heritage. So Sumia, do you want to go first? Any challenges that you had to face as a working mom because of your Asian heritage? So um, I've been in the Midwest for the past 15 years. I went to grad school here and I um, grew up in a tight knit family. So when I, uh, at least when I took the kids, uh, took one of the kids back home uh, a couple of years back, um, my coworkers still, you know, usually you, you're about a two-day flight away when you're traveling to India. And uh, I did end up taking three or four weeks off um, to be there. Um, and uh, that's something that uh, my coworkers, uh, I, I think, may not come to terms. I mean, it, it may be hard for them to come to terms with because it's such a long time uh, away from work and that you, you know, you take off for a month altogether and they have to backfill you almost or a month or a month and a half is uh, uh, going to be a um, pretty uh, hard deal for them, uh, I guess. Uh, so that's something that uh, they haven't uh, uh, come to terms with yet and that I'm uh, uh, trying to um, kind of get them a sense of how, uh, you know, uh, you travel there once uh, in a couple of years, and it's always going to be hard to, um, you know, not do more than two or three weeks is sort of a minimum amount of time away from work that you'll have to have to um, have the kids experience uh, some of uh, uh, their family uh, back home uh, in India. 
And uh, I still struggle to give my kids the full enriched experience of growing up Indian. And that's a, a little chunk of what I try to do or I want to do uh, as they grow up. And um, um, but yeah, then again, I do have uh, my parents visit me quite often. Uh, and uh, that has led to some uh, uh, pretty interesting experiences at home because, yeah, hey, um, my husband uh, didn't know that uh, he would have a, an often visiting uh, uh, mother-in-law and a father-in-law and uh, that came with a, uh, a joy of marrying me. So it's something that he <laughs> has to deal with. Uh, but it's something that I, I can't give up on either. Um, mm -hmm. Another um, thing that I want to do uh, uh, with my kids is uh, I want to have them uh, um, grow up bilingual. That's a struggle because uh, I haven't uh, been able to, I mean, they're a little young, so we still have some time, but uh, I do intend to um, get them started early on in immersion classes and uh, maybe, uh, you know, uh, right now at this point I do alphabets with them using spices. Uh, culturally, that's the exposure that I'm giving to my son at this point. Uh, he's three, so he's an older one. He can understand some. So yeah, but otherwise, yeah, at work, uh, the challenge I face is that if I take uh, a one month break to go to India, it's something that uh, people can't comprehend. Yeah. So I know in some Asian countries, and I I think some some friends also mentioned it um, about India as well. But I know in, in Indonesia, like there's some, I guess there's still a little bit of classes. And, you know, I guess if you kind of look compare like, you know, upper echelon or just like the more well-off people, they tend to have like maids and nannies. So it's a little bit of a shock for them. Um, the the folks in Asia have this extra helper automatically because of this. And um, I know some people didn't grow up with it. Like my, my sister-in-law and um, one of my friends who's Indonesian. So their friends, when they're there, they have these extra hands anyways to help them with the kids. And now that they live in the States or in Canada and there's not that extra help, I don't know if you've seen it growing up where there are friends who or yourself may have had a, a nanny help you with raising your kids or your parents helping raise you? Um, uh, no, I mean, you know. fortunately for me, uh, we didn't have nannies and we did have some help. Uh, um, you know, we had a lady who came, cleaned our house. Uh, that was uh, generally like a, um, uh, you know, ho uh, housekeeping uh, every couple of days uh, should um, come and help us uh, with uh, uh, some of the, you know, chores. But otherwise, no, we didn't have any nannies or maids. My um, uh, dad, in fact, was usually uh, had to work offsite quite a bit. So my mom uh, would uh, take care of us and she helped. Uh, I mean, she raised us almost uh, single-handedly, given that uh, my dad traveled so much. Um, yeah. Um, at least, uh, but I have seen, uh, I have uh, some friends who've told me that uh, it's a cultural shock for these kids who travel there uh, and they do have uh, live-in maids, many families do, um, depending on what kind of a background or what kind of a cultural, uh, not a cultural, but a social class you come from. Uh, yeah, and it's a cultural shock. And at the same time, um, it depends on how you 
ex how you uh, uh, use it as a teachable moment because uh, my mom still does uh, dishes at home i mean she does almost all the cleaning uh, she has somebody do some dusting and stuff when you know once in a couple of days so it depends on what you uh, insist on teaching your kids and what you insist on uh, having their uh, grandparents or their the extended family um, uh, how you want them to treat uh, your kids right so that's mm -hmm. that's what i've learned in my visits to india uh, but i'm sure uh, there have there are other experiences uh, other folks may have which would be yeah. different yeah yeah i just know that there there is that cultural difference and and it's not everywhere just like you said you you didn't grow up that way maybe someone came and helped at the house but you know i was just kind of curious because some from conversations with friends and family just like that being a shock and not having that versus like seeing that growing up and the expectations and things and how to rework your life to do what you actually have um is a, just a good um you know thing to understand there's different ways of raising your kids right and you have to do what's best for you so angela what about you i i know um like i grew up in michigan in the suburbs of michigan and visited toronto a lot when i was growing up because that's where a lot of asian population was and kind of the greater area of toronto um, did you notice any differences for you being, um, you know, for you versus a non-Asian working mom or even non-engineering working moms who are Asian? Um, um yes and no, but just going back on, uh, talking about, uh, uh, nannies and stuff. So I did have a slight exposure to this because when I was on, uh, maternity leave with my little ones, I've made the most of my traveling so i did visit hong kong a few times because my husband was actually uh born and raised there until he was uh like nine or ten so then uh, one time when i had all three of them i think um so my oldest was okay my youngest was five months old and then the middle was almost two so the <laughs> very young and then the older one was uh three and a half and so we were staying at my husband's aunt's house and they had a nanny and she would cook for us. She would uh, wash the clothes. She would clean up the bathrooms, the floor, everything. Didn't have to do a thing uh, aside from, you know, watching my own children and making sure they're having fun and they're safe. But I didn't have to raise a finger, which is so different from how it is, uh, how we're used to it with. You know, we have to do everything ourselves. You know, wash dishes and clean the house and the whole, the whole nine yards, right? So I did get to experience it, and it was eye-opening. Yeah, how much more time I have to spend with my ch my children, um, and it definitely you know takes the load off, right? Um, but I found that as being Asian, so I, I look very young. <laughs> and so <laughs> I I recall even like outside of work, uh, like people would be like, oh, wow, you have three kids. Oh, yeah, 
get them all done early. That's that's the that's the way to do it. But they don't realize I'm actually, you know, 10, 15 years older than they think I am. And so I didn't have my kids early. I just had them at a, you know, like typical age. So it's it's harder because they'll either think I am a nanny because I am, uh, I do kind of, so in Hong Kong, they have nannies that are from the Philippines. And sometimes I look a little darker and I'm mistaken for Filipina, uh, which is fine. <laughs> but then it, it they either assume I'm a sister or a nanny to my children, and it's just a little strange, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But I think just being a working mom and just getting my children exposed enough to their their heritage, uh, like speaking the language, uh, uh, having the different types of food and the different uh, cultural celebrations that we have, that's a little harder. Uh, I do have them enrolled in uh, Chinese school on Saturdays, so that helps with them learning the basics of of uh, um, writing. But still, it's the, the speaking that's the hard part because I naturally tend to speak English, so it's hard for me to keep up speaking Cantonese to them when uh, it's not my like it's not the language I'm comfortable with either. So I do try to expose them because I want them to understand their grandparents and, you know, just to know another language, to exercise their brain. And it is part of their culture. So I have similar experiences to you, Angela, too. Um, so um, with with the raising of the kids and trying to get them culturally exposed, uh, it is very important for me to them to know some of their heritage and they've got a lot to learn. Right. And um, I'm like, husband, you take care of the, the Japanese Hawaiian heritage. If you want them to know, <clears throat> I will take care of the, the Taiwanese culture and the Chinese language. Cause they, they speak Mandarin there. And it's been difficult, but I tried to enroll. I have, enrolled my oldest son in Chinese since 18 months, even though my parents were around because they were so used to speaking to me in English that it's hard for them to transition to Chinese to my kids. And they were worried about me and my husband not understanding what they were saying. And I was like, stop it. You don't need to, <laughs> I, we don't really need to understand. So I've got, gotten them into Chinese lessons. I, have a whole bunch of books and videos and I think YouTube now really helps out um, having some of that access to the different languages um, but it is definitely tough um, keeping up with um, getting them the cultural experience especially if they don't really enjoy the Chinese school <laughs> or the Chinese lessons sometimes so I'm trying to incorporate that but it is hard to to think about that as well. What challenges have you have you experienced, Jenny? Um, so challenges that I experienced, um, I think, you know, I had role models growing up. Uh, my mom worked full time. I had an aunt who worked full time. Um, that's pretty much the only, you know, relatives we had around was my aunt and my parents. And since they both worked full time, I. I didn't feel any cultural pressure to not go to work. Um, 
and to handle, you know, just to, to handle things. I think at work itself, um, because I grew up in this mainly Caucasian neighborhood and I really didn't want to stick out like being at work now you're to to succeed and move forward you have to stick out but I think I have these tendencies to try to blend in and be the support instead of being the lead sometimes so that's just been hard um, navigating the career um, I don't know if you've heard like um, career-wise at work you know um, maybe a lot of Asians they try to get buy-in outside the meeting and then in the meeting it's more of the blessing and or if you know you don't really know the answer you don't really ask the question during the meeting or during the class time and you'll maybe go ask later to get all that stuff so I think that part of my Asian culture growing up um, kind of helped or didn't really help me with imposter syndrome. And I think adding to that, the mama brain having it kind of makes me <laughs> feel like it's a challenge every day to get some of the work done, even though I, I am capable of doing the work. And, um, you know, everyone kind of gets that way, even without having mama brain uh, for that. Um, at home, even though I had the influences, I think some of the challenges is now living with parents that were kind of bridging that culture. They may have had that tradition from Taiwan and the things that they lived through. And then growing, growing older here, um, picking up the American traditions, it's interesting, you know, that as I mentioned, they're not really speaking Mandarin, Chinese, or even Taiwanese to my kids, not very often. They they have to force themselves. So that was something I didn't think I would have to do, is hire someone outside to help with tutoring. <laughs> um, and, you know, just getting used to their habits versus our habits for, um, you know, taking care of the home or the cleanliness and everything has been different. But for sure, having that benefit of my parents around so that I can go to work full time still has been a blessing. And you know that they're not intentionally going to give them any harm, but they might not raise them exactly the same way that you thought they would because they still want to be the doting grandparents. They're not the not really like the um, the tiger moms that you may have heard people call um, some Asian moms or Asian parents before, and that didn't translate into their grandkids at all. So that has been interesting. I don't know if you guys have seen that as well. <laughs> some of the parenting. Well, for sure, my my uh, my mom was quite strict when I was growing up, but with the grandkids, <laughs> it's the doting grandparents for sure. Same story here. It completely uh, changed. My parents were uber strict growing up and uh, uh, they are they do spoil their grandkids and it's 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 hard uh, sometimes I feel oh maybe I should step into those tiger mommy <laughs> shoes but uh, uh, I wonder um, I mean it, it was effective right to an extent uh, we are where I'm we are where we are right now because of the type of up upbringing but um, at the same time uh, 
um, I, I'm still learning. <laughs> I'm still learning as to whether how effective of, uh, I mean, even if I'm a tiger mom, how uh, effective can I be being a tiger mom in some situations and not in some situations? So, yeah, understandable. So as we're finding out, right, raising kids is not easy. It doesn't matter what situation it is. And everyone, every mom has to make things work for them and their family. And it changes as it goes. So um, how have you juggled all the things that are going on in your life? Mia, do you want to share a tip? or? So um, uh, I had to come to terms uh, with the situation. I mean, uh, my family, uh, we, we are, uh, my husband and I and the kids, we are living with my mother-in-law. So um, it was a balancing act. Um, and... Um, you know, to actually first off come to terms with it and share share uh, space um, uh, with uh, a single mom who raised her uh, only son, um, and uh, which my mother-in-law raised him all on her own, and uh, there is uh, some attachment there, and you had I had to come to terms with it quite a bit, but and we are also culturally different. I uh, I'm vegetarian. I'm married into a meat-eating family, so. Um, Generally, I have to do like two or three separate meals. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I uh, kind of repeat uh, the meal schedule um, to make sure that I send the kids uh, their lunch boxes as well. I pack their lunch. So uh, that's something that uh, my mom did. I want to do the same thing for them. Um, and I want them to uh, eat Indian food every day. So, and it's something that I, I try to do. Uh, uh, and uh, they are my my family and my mother-in-law are quite supportive, and I have, uh, um, you know, been able to use uh, or have her help um, whenever I need them to be watched, or uh, whenever I have to do some of the things uh, on, on my in my uh, volunteer uh, side of life. I do take her help quite a bit. Um, there is a bit of a give and take there, and um, though we are culturally different, we are bound by uh, the need to uh, hold on to, like, she loves her grandkids, she dotes on them at the same time. Um, I had to come to terms with actually, uh, you know, it's the same uh, dynamics with, with any mother-in-law. I had to come to terms with it. And uh, being Asian, I'm a little more submissive. Maybe it helped me. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't call it submissive, but more mild-mannered. So, um, yeah, that kind of helped me. But yeah, I, I still am uh, uh, getting them uh, uh, to eat vegetarian food. I'm raising them on a vegetarian diet. Uh, my mother-in-law and my uh, husband eat meat. So that is a very important part of my uh, culture. I don't I don't want to give up. Uh, and so far, I've, I've been doing it. Uh, I don't know how, how and when it'll change, but I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm taking it one day at a time. And, and at this time... Uh, my family, uh, my uh, uh, mother-in-law, my husband, they're all uh, um, on board with uh, how I want to raise the kids. That's the most important thing. Any tips or anything on how you juggle your or what you do, Angela? Um, well, definitely just uh, with everything, uh, routine is the key, um, especially when it comes to the kids. When it's nap time, it's nap time, like especially right now with this uh, COVID-19 and everyone's in the house. My older two didn't nap anymore, but 
we made a, a time after lunch for one hour, everyone goes to the room and, and they can nap, they can read, but it's just some, you know, time away from each other in a sense. And if you want to rest, then you can. And it, it just helps everyone reset if it's been a bad day or, and just to take it in stride that we know like some days can be good. Some days can be bad. It's not, it's not, it's not as scheduled, but keeping some things as routine as possible does help uh, everyone's sanity in a sense. <laughs> That's some good advice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, and I'll I'll let you both have um, maybe one last piece of advice that you would like to give as we wrap up today's podcast. So, what other lesson learned or advice that you've gained since you've become a mom that you think the next generation of engineers might who might want to have kids? What what would be good for them to take away from this podcast today? Definitely to give yourself some me time, whether or not you want to just relax and watch some TV uh, or just, you know, go out with your husband on a date. Uh, Just having that time to unwind from work and from your kids (laughs) that, that really that really, really helps, you know, set yourself for success for the, the next day, right? And um, also that, you know, in your free time or whatever time you have, just trying to keep your skills up to date. Uh, I mean, instead of watching TV, you can, like, listen to a podcast or read uh, or, you know, be 20 years with uh, Sui, which I'm new to Sui, so... <laughs> I can get you up to I'm speed. just, you know, learning <laughs> a lot now. <laughs> and what about you, Samia? Any parting words, lessons learned? I uh, personally, I tend to juggle a lot. And, um, you know, uh, as a volunteer, as you know, I try to do a lot. And first off, you should have a very understanding partner. And uh, that's in my experience, uh, it helps. Um, uh, especially if you want to pursue a full-time career and uh, um, be the mom that you want to be. And um, as, you know, Asians, you have, you sometimes set high expectations for yourself. Um, and um, I, I I have done that. Uh, and sometimes you have to step back and make sure that you don't lose perspective of um, where you want to be, how, um, um, you know, how you want to lead your life and how you want to uh, spend the time with your kids. And um, especially the slowing down with uh, COVID-19, it's brought a lot of perspective in my life. So <laughs> I uh, have been uh, trying to uh, sit back and spend some uh, time with both the kids. It's uh, actually forced a pause and it's, it's been helpful. And sometimes it kind of helps you, um, as I said, gain perspective and uh, revisit all your priorities. But at the same time, um, as an uh, you know, I've I've been trying to uh, take uh, everything one once one day at a time, and uh, uh, I've still been trying to uh, make sure that I mean I've been trying to uh, get into mentoring, uh, and uh, all with my uh, 
partner's help and uh, because he has been uh, supportive and he has been willing to watch the kids and uh, uh, has been allowing me some me time as Angela said um, the me time for me is like actually going out and getting some activities done with some kids in the local schools and I've not been able to do that that's something that uh, is uh, definitely uh, whatever is fulfills you um, you should be able to do that and you should kind of step back and revisit, revisit your priorities every time you think that you're not um, happy. So that's something I've been able to do all, all because of uh, um, some of the friends, coworkers, and family uh, support that I've had. So. Oh, great. Both of you have some really great advice. So um, Angela and Samia, I want to thank you again for taking the time to speak with me and for all the listeners out there today. Um, you have some really great insight and advice for those future and current working moms out there, as well as those colleagues who work with them. So thank you again to both of you. Thank you. That was great. Thank, thank you. you. So once again, it was wonderful to learn from you both today. Um, to all of you listening, be sure to check out the Asian Connections group on Facebook as well as at LinkedIn. Um, we have a couple of features coming on for the Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. There will be in the all together on social media and, of course, with the diverse podcasts. Um, there's one with our past president uh, for SWE, Nora Lynn. Um, I'm Jenny Morikawa. For all of us at SWE, thanks for listening. <laughs>